Hello and welcome to the MICIA podcast sponsored by Raymond. This is Jim Carp, and today we've got an interview with Representative Yusuf Rabi. Now he's for the 53rd District for the state of Michigan that's based around Ann Arbor, and he shares some of the ideas that he thinks needs to be done from a state law perspective. So we'll cut over to Yusuf now, and I'll be back with you right after this. All right, this is Jim Carp, and I'm with Yusef Rabi. And Yusef, you're the representative for the District of Ann Arbor. That's correct. Yeah, so uh, I represent most of the city of Ann Arbor, and uh, so it's the 53rd district in Washtenaw County. And I also serve as the Democratic floor leader in the State House of Representatives. Okay, and so I know there's been a lot of things going on, uh, especially yeah. from the cannabis perspective. Can you kind of bring us up to speed where you see things today and kind of the challenges going forward? Yeah, of course we had uh, so the administrative rules that came out recently, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that has helped to clarify a lot of things. Uh, in terms of the uh, new emerging market. Uh, but there's a lot that still, you know, needs to be done, I think, in order to clarify. And there's some changes that, uh, you know, that I think we can look at in terms of helping to make the environment uh, better for uh, cannabis businesses in Michigan. Uh, but the other part that I think is important to talk about, too, is the area of uh, expungement and the, um, you know, the, the criminal side okay. of, uh, of marijuana and the fact that there are so many people uh, that are still in prison. Then this becomes a, a social justice and a criminal justice issue mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, yes, we should be preparing. We should be thinking about all the great things that are going to happen with this new emerging market, but we should also be thinking about the people that are still um, incarcerated or still have criminal records as a result of something that is no longer a criminal activity. Okay. So, and where are you at on that at this point in time? So there's actually been a lot of work done uh, in that category. It's actually bipartisan work. Uh, we've had some great luck working uh, with the folks on the other side of the aisle uh, to really get some movement on uh, especially the expungement side mm-hmm. and making sure that people that are, um, you know, no longer incarcerated or that, um, you know, have misdemeanors or felonies on their record uh, can get those records expunged so that okay. they can get, um, you know, jobs and stuff like that. Uh, jobs, housing, all kinds of different things are contingent on, you know, having a clean record. And uh, we have really stringent laws in the state of Michigan, unfortunately, that don't allow people to expunge their records. And so we really want to make sure that, uh, you know, particularly for those who, again, uh, their their crime is no longer a crime, uh, you know, have those, uh, the ability to have those records cleaned. How many, how many people are we talking about? Do you have a rough ballpark number? You know, uh, in terms of people that are currently incarcerated, it's in the hundreds in state facilities, um, mm-hmm. but then it's, uh, it, there's also hundreds more that are incarcerated in, in local uh, facilities. That's the thing a lot of people forget. I think the number at the state level um, you know, is, is is a lot lower. So people often cite that number and they're like, oh, there's only, you know, this many people that are in the state s- system for, for marijuana-related, um, you know, offenses. But the reality is that a lot more people are sprinkled around the state in the, um, you know, county correctional facilities or city correctional facilities. Um, so, so we're talking about, um, you know, hundreds of people that okay. are still incarcerated. And, and as far as the uh, putting them in prison, uh, sent, sentencing, et, et cetera, uh, historically were they long sentences or, you know, for people that are currently there? Yeah. I've heard in some cases there has been. Yeah, there have been definitely long sentences. A lot of times uh, part of the struggle is that people are, you know, plea bargaining um, okay. to, you know, lesser offenses, but that put them in the category of, Uh, you know, those drug offenses. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, we're trying to find a way to uh, make sure that we're accounting for all of that as we explore these possibilities to help clear people's records. So, you know, I mean, we, 
it, it's just important that we keep a focus on on those folks that are still um, that are still incarcerated that still have those records. Yeah. So so just as a as a, a quick thought on it, and you probably run into these challenges. Are, are there people of the opinion that say at that time they broke the law, therefore they shouldn't be a sponge? Um, you know, I think that is definitely an argument that I've heard, but mm-hmm. I feel like that is not a winning argument and one that even, again, folks on the other side of the aisle are starting to realize is not uh, a winning argument. You know, I've been approached by, uh, you know, even Republican colleagues of mine that have said, you know, hey, this is something we need to take care of. We need to address this issue because it's not fair that people are incarcerated for something. Right. That's they no got the book thrown at them and, yeah. and they're yeah. there. Okay. Yeah, exactly. so, so we got that from yep. that vantage yep. point. And there's a lot of movement afoot. I know they, the emergency rules came out. There's right. a lot of things going. So other challenges you see and where do you see things going as we unfold this in the state? Yeah. So one of the big issues that, that I'm, you know, really looking at, and there's a number of them, but one of them is uh, around the delivery you know, delivery models um, okay. that can be used. So there's, there is still uncertainty about, you know, how exactly that delivery uh, model is going to be, you know, rolled out. Mm-hmm. And uh, there may be some legislation needed in order to clarify, you know, how all of that is going to work. So that's an area that I'm uh, working closely on to try to create the legal framework um, to, to, to have that clarity within the law so that we can have, um, you know, delivery uh, across the state. One of the, one of the barriers, uh, you know, to that, of course, is, you know, if a community decides that they don't want to have marijuana businesses licensed in their community, can you still, can a marijuana business not ma- based in that community still deliver in that community, right? Okay. So we're trying mm-hmm. to figure out, you know, ways, uh, ways to do that. So that's one of, that's one of the uh, policy areas that we are uh, still uh, looking at. Uh, another area that we're sort of exploring is, you know, looking at um, testing batch sizes, because, you know, there is such a, um, you know, supply barriers around the supply yep. side. And so we want to make sure that we are finding ways to um, to streamline that process as much as possible uh, and get that product out there. Okay, so I noticed today at the MICIA in the conference they were talking about lessons learned from California. Yep. Have you have you guys been exposed to that? Is that something that's on the floor? People understand it and are trying to wrestle with some of those issues? I would say by and large, no. I think most of my colleagues don't fully understand those comparatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's the sort of thing that this, you know, the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association has done a great job of already and will continue to do a good job of is raising that that awareness. And because they are so uh, relatively new, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's opportunities, you know, to, to build that um, network and that understanding in Lansing. I think there's a core group of legislators that do understand. Okay. Uh, and then there are just folks that haven't gotten there yet. And it's not that they don't want to understand, it's just that they haven't been exposed, like you said, to that information as of as of now. Okay, so if I'm a citizen or somebody's interested in setting up the business, what what can I do to help advocate or push this stuff along? Yeah, so um, if you want to help on the legislative side, getting in touch with my office is probably the best way to go. Uh, and to get in touch with my office, it's pretty simple. You just um, you know email us at my name y o u s e f r a b h i at house.mi.gov. And, you know, that's usually the best way to get in touch with us is just by email there. Uh, I have a website on the Michigan House Dems uh, page, um, and you can find other contact information there. We also have uh, a newsletter that we send out that folks can sign up for uh, in, uh, on the website as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like I said, there's, there's a lot of opportunities to get involved, whether it's on this criminal justice side, uh, whether it's uh, I'm also looking at a bill right now for uh, descheduling uh, marijuana 
in Michigan law so that because right you know so we want it to be uh, consistent right if okay. we're, if if it's now legal uh, why is it still a scheduled uh, drug within the law so to me it's just a cleanup provision to say you know let's do that and so there's there's things like that that we're working on and then there's the policy side as well that uh, that I was mentioning uh, around um, you know businesses and the the model of how this industry is going to be uh, working moving forward. And I think that's going to be key to the success part because as I heard from the California experiment here, the, the gray area is still out there. And so actually the the sanctioned marijuana businesses are suffering as a result of the onerous laws that are out there. Right. And yeah, exactly. There's a lot that we need to do uh, to clarify those gray areas um, sooner rather than later, um, because the, I think the longer we wait, the more... Um, exactly what you're saying will happen, you know, that there'll be an establishment of that gray area and it'll be harder to change in the future. So yeah. it's, it's sort of important to do, to make that clarity known now. Yeah. Well, it was interesting to hear they were talking 70%, I think was the uh, cost differential between the, the gray area as well as is uh, something from sanction from the government. So that's a huge difference. It's huge. And it, yeah, it's definitely a business consideration at that level. Yeah, absolutely. Other, if you look forward to the future and you see the different challenges and everything, uh, uh, three to five years out, what do you predict? Any predictions, any thoughts? It's hard to, t- I mean, it's hard to tell, honestly. I think that there's, you know, I think the supply issue is going to persist. I think we're going to continue to have uh, problems with that if we don't solve the issue soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that that's not going to be an issue in three to five years, but I think that in the medium and long term, that's something that we need to be uh, paying attention to. Okay. Anything else or thoughts that you'd like to share? Nope. That's it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming down and we'll look forward to working with you in the future. Thanks, Jim. Thanks. Bye now. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It was a great interview with Youssef. He's got a lot of important concepts that he's uh, definitely driving going forward. So our goal here at the MICAA, along with Raymond, is to add as much value to you as a growing industry. So please keep tuned. Reach out to us if you have any questions or comments, and we'll see you at the next podcast.